0: Hello, it is Sunday, May 23rd, I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is the, oh, this is the UFC Vegas 27 fight card recap, wrap up, whatever you want to call it, Joe. But all UFC Vegas 27, not the best card, so I'm not going to go through every fight because you probably don't want me to go through every fight. and I don't want to go through every fight. And so I'm just going to go through the fights that kind of meant something or had something happen that was noteworthy or that I just want to talk about. And so on with the show. So Bruno Silva, um, he had a nice finish. I think it took a, all of a minute to get the finish. Uh, but was it, was it a performance of the night worthy? And... I'm going to say it was not. And why? Because the expected kind of happened in that fight. Silva was a minus 500 favorite. He was fighting a guy that lost his most recent fight by first round knockout in the UFC. And you know Silva was expected to win, and I think Silva was coming off a knockout win. So this was kind of a gimme. So maybe the UFC has something... It likes in Silva and wants to reward him. But to give him a performance of the night over Rob Font, who fought a former champion and probably put in his best performance in his first UFC main event, seems ridiculous to me. And the same goes with that heavyweight fight that won the fight of the night. That thing was terrible. It was not a good fight in in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but it won fight of the night. And again, these fighters are fighting for $50,000, which, come on now, there is an insult to begin with, but they're fighting for $50,000 bonus, and they don't know what they need to do to get that bonus. It's arbitrary and silly, and I think the fight, the fight of the night bonus, performance of the night bonus, they need to go away because no one knows what, what the requirements are to get that bonus. And if you, you know, if you tell these guys go out and have a bad sloppy fight and you'll win 50 grand, well then, you know, people will go out there and have a bad sloppy fight and win 50 grand. And, and that's what we saw in that heavyweight fight. So I don't know the bonuses um, outside of Esparza who deserved it. The other three, I don't think by any means deserve to get a $50,000 bonus. Uh, someone else should have uh, uh, obviously got that. Um, Court McGee. Court McGee got a, a, a nice win for him. A Court McGee win, kind of win. And uh, unanimous decision. 230-26 is in a 29-27. The judging was a little goofy. Um, but the right person won in each fight. So mm, it's a, it, that, at that point it becomes maybe a forgivable sin. Uh, but Court McGee it ended a three fight losing skid for him, improved his record. Now and he was three and seven in his last ten. And this is something I pointed out, I think on my bloody elbow column, winners and losers column, in that Court McGee is the kind of guy when he shows up, you're kind of shocked that he's still in the UFC because as I said, three and seven record, most people that aren't gonna get um, that kind of chance, but McGee. I think gets one of, one of the reasons I think he gets that kind of chance is he's the kind of guy the UFC, while might not promote a lot, he goes out there, gives you a great A effort every time, tries the finish. I mean, it's not the prettiest fights. They're kind of workmanlike, but he's giving the best effort he can give. And when you do that and the, and the UFC knows it can count on you, well, you stick around and you get you get more chances. So it's so I think it's a point where you, you it points out that you don't have to be the loudmouth. You don't have to be the guy who's out there pointing at themselves and lighting a flare off and, and saying, Look at me. You go out there, you do your job, you do your job well, you do your job consistently. There's a place for people like that in the UFC and, and Court McGee is one of those guys. Um, the story he told about his neighbor I thought was very funny. He said he had a seven-year-old neighbor recently widowed, and she told him to go out and be the crusher again. And, you know, he took that advice and he won the fight. So it was a, a nice, short little story. Gave a little glimpse at, at Court McGee's personality. And it was it was kind of a refreshing thing. Um so we'll see. I think Cormagin going to stick around uh, the UFC for a little longer. Chris Barnett fought Ben Rothwell at the top of the prelim card. Um, Barnett was is kind of one of those guys you want to see succeed just because it would seem so to be so improbable. You have a 5'9 heavyweight in the UFC. I don't know. Uh, that seems a little weird. But alas... Barnett got submitted by uh, Ben Rothwell, and I don't know how many times we're going to see Barnett in the UFC, but he had his chance. Cinderella's story did not come true. Um, Jack Hermanson and Edmund Shabazian, I thought, was a very odd booking on the part that it was Shabazian. It, it struck me as the wrong booking, the odds struck me as closer than they should have been. I think Hermanson was only, I think he was under a two, a minus two hundred favorite, um, and Shabazzian did well in the first round. In the second round, Hermanson went back to his corner, like a veteran will, should, and regrouped, came out in that one minute with a new plan. That new plan was to close the distance. Work, work takedowns in close as opposed to at distance work those takedowns against the cage and that's what he did he did that in the second and he did that in the third and he beat Shabazian up and I I would like to you know I I, I think we found out who the culprit was uh, via Twitter on this as to who's responsible for this bad decision normally I would I would lash out at the matchmakers but in this case, the matchmakers, from what Brian Martin uh, tweeted at me when I brought up this point of the how Shabazzian is being booked as as opposed to O'Malley, um, it's, he said that Shabazzian had, and remember, Shabazzian was coming off a loss, another loss where he got wrestled up, um, and Shabazzian had the choice to take unranked opponents, his team turned those down and decided to take a ranked opponent, and... What Shabazzian got was beat up a second loss. He lost uh, a chance at you know doubling his pay for a, a win bonus. He lost valuable time where he could have been progressing if he was in a fight that was winnable or he had a way, a way to win outside of fighting off his back, which seems to be a skill that he does not have right now or that needs to be improved on. Um, confidence might be knocked around a little bit. And it was just a bad decision. Um, and then you look at Sean O'Malley. Now, Sean O'Malley is, is talking the talk, and he's winning fights other than when he got stopped by Vera. And my, he has another loss too, doesn't he? I don't know. It's, everything's a blur these days. Let me check on this. Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley does not have another loss. So, Sean O'Malley's out here fighting unranked opponents and moving up and doubling his pay and getting new contracts. I think he got a new deal. So Sean O'Malley, while I don't really like the persona and and how how much he brags about himself, it works for him. And he's doing things, I think, the right way. He's a young fighter. He's taking very small steps up, incremental steps up, winning fights, running his mouth, getting his name out there. He's being looked at. As you know, and the next big thing, and Shabazzian now is looking at maybe being looked at as a uh, what could have been. I don't know if the rankings panel hurt Shabazian by putting him in the rankings too early. I don't know if his association with Rousey hurt him and moved him up too early. But if his team is saying we want a ranked opponent at this point, of being only twenty three and still developing. Clearly still developing. That should have been uh, very clearly seen in in his previous loss, but it was ignored. And so now if his teams keep moving him up and taking fights where he is going to be the underdog and maybe not uh, on the record a sizable underdog, but in the big picture a sizable underdog, and he gets beat, what's that doing for him? Edmund Shabazzian should be moving up slowly, developing into a full... Well-rounded fighter, winning fights, boosting his pay, gaining confidence, gaining fans. Everything should be directed in a slow kind of pyramid build for him. Instead, you know, he gets a couple wins and it's straight to the to the top. It's silly, and and it it backfired. Now I look at his team, Ronda Rousey, and um, Coach Edmund, and. I'm not shocked in the least that they're taking this tact uh, because they have not—they have proven to be not the uh, the best gauges of talent and what they should and shouldn't do. So I'm not surprised by this. Uh, if if Shabazzian and his team think the UFC have his best interest in at heart, they're sadly mistaken. He will be released and forgotten and be looked at as a as a as someone who, who, who washed out, that's what will happen if, if they keep taking this tack. They have to take a big step back now, I think, and develop him. And maybe maybe Shabazian needs to leave that team. I would, I would have had that team on a short leash to begin with because of how they handled Rousey's career poorly and how they handled her losses even more poorly. Everything, when it turned bad for Rousey, it turned very bad, and a lot of that was because of her you know, her attitudes and also the attitudes of those around her. And if these people are the ones advising Edmund Shabazian, I am worried for his future as a fighter. And I think that worry is justified. What do I got here? Norma Dumont beat Felicia Spencer, and I think this is a, a fight that is going to tell us a little bit about the direction that the women's featherweight division is going to go in the UFC. With Spencer losing to Dumont, who she should have beat, on paper at least, her career in the UFC might be on the rocks. And if she is released, that probably gives you a pretty good indication that the featherweight division is not long for the UFC. Um, Dumont said she wants to go down to Bantamweight, and I think that she should. Because if she stays at featherweight, her next fight, just because there's no not many people there... Her next fight could be Amanda Nunes. And if you tell me they're going to book Nunes and Dumont, I'm hoping that she strikes a pretty good contract because she's going to be on the wrong side of a world of hurt if she faces Nunes. So if she goes down to Bantamweight, she's just another fish in the pond for a while, and she can develop into you know a, a, a better fighter because she's still way young in her career. So she has a lot of time. To, to move up and develop, and she needs that time. She is not ready to fight someone like Amanda Nunes, not yet. Uh, so we'll see what happens on that front. But I would encourage her, if she can make that weight, drop down next fight, 135. I already talked about that terrible heavyweight fight. Carla Esparza looked excellent. Uh, she did what we thought she would do, is which was take her opponent down. But then on the ground, she I think she ate some elbows from the bottom and that really uh, seemed to light a fire on her and she bloodied her opponent, got her in that crucifix in the second round and got the, got the win because it was just going to get worse from there. So it was a good stoppage. Sparza now has five wins in a row, I think. And she has forced herself back into the title picture. And... Uh, the stoppage she got on Saturday was her first since she submitted uh, Rose Namajunas to win the, the inaugural title at 115 so i think she forced herself back into the picture i don't think anyone expected this to happen so you know she made it happen with her with her winning streak and her efforts so good on her however however this is what Dana White had to say on the ESPN plus post fight show she looked like a beast tonight She came out and absolutely dominated. You can tell by the way she was fighting that she was trying to make a statement, statement made, message received. We see you. I don't know what we're going to do next. If we do the rematch, Wiley Zhang and Rosamayunis, or if we give it to her. Um, And my question is, all right, you got the message, but are you going to pay attention to the message? And my gut tells me no. And this is why my gut tells me no. The UFC is now a publicly traded company. The UFC was never was never really a merit-based company to begin with, Um, played around with it a little bit, never really fully went that way. And now they are part of a publicly traded company, which means there are stockholders, which means they are stockholders that want money to return on their investment. They want a big return on their investment. They want the biggest return on investment they can get. And they were promised that A return on investment is is going to come via the UFC and a lot of that is based on who can make the most money for the UFC at the time, not who deserves what. And right now, if you told the UFC and the UFC's accounting department, we can either book Rose Namajunas and Carla Esparza and it'll be a... Minor title fight with most of the fans based in the U.S. North America, or we can book Rose Namajunas against the woman she beat badly, and but who is Chinese, and will have a ton of viewership. Well, Wiley Zhang is going to get the nod. Does she deserve it? Probably not. She got beat up pretty convincingly in that in that first fight. So a rematch, an immediate rematch is definitely not. Uh, needed because how long was her title reign to begin with? And then she got beat up quickly. Uh, But the market is what's going to drive this one. And the market is is China and the Far East for the UFC right now. It's still developing. Zhang was a star there. And she could become a star. Well, she's going to remain a star, I guess, for a while because she only has that loss to... Now, I'm a Eunice, but if she starts losing more and more, that star might fade and the interest might fade. So, uh, in the UFC's mind, strike while the iron's hot. But I don't know how well that will work out if if Zhang loses. But the UFC has never thought of its money long term. It's mostly get as much as it can and hope for the best, and everything has worked out. So, my gut tells me Carlos Sparza, uh, message received and all that but she's not getting that title fight as long as Zhang can fight and bring in that money from the Far East market. And stakeholders are going to, bottom line is going to talk on this one. And the bottom line does not have Carlos Sparza's name near it. So she's going to miss out and she needs to stay active. So we'll see what happens with her next. Rob Font looked spectacular. Um, just a perfect performance. Everything about it was was spot on. He um, let, i probably the wrong word, let, but he worked with what Garbrandt gave him. Garbrandt was active in the first two rounds and maybe Font kind of felt that with the time off and the COVID-19 long hauler that Garbrandt was going to fade. So he kind of sat back the first time, two rounds, let Garbrandt do his thing. And third, fourth, fifth, font turned it up. Worked behind that jab, found openings for, for combinations. Did a nice mixture of techniques. Nice mixture of uh, targets. Kept uh, Garbrandt moving and moving backwards for the most of the third, fourth, and fifth, and I think some of the second round as well. And just you know, used his boxing skills to make Garbrandt look look pretty bad. Uh, it was a it was a good performance from Font. Garbrandt did, didn't look his, his normal self. I think I'd like to see him fight again at 135 in a three-round fight to see if it was uh, cage rust, conditioning, uh, illness from COVID-19 still hanging around. So I'd like to see him fight again at 135 and not drop to 125, uh, at least not the next fight. And we'll and I'd like to see him what we see from a three round Cody Garbrandt non main event and take it from there because I'm still concerned about his health and the the COVID 19 after aftermath but I might be one of the few that are concerned because the UFC and Nevada State Athletic Commission obviously didn't care but anyway Rob Font forced himself into the title picture I don't I think he was kind of a yeah, he's in the picture, but he's not in the, you know, he's not in the front of the frame. Might be behind some some brown paper uh, in the back of the frame, you know, tucked in the back of the frame. But he's moved up, fell out of the back, put him back in the uh, in the front of the frame for sure. Jesus, that was terrible. And um, so he felt, he forced himself there. So I don't think he would have been there along with. Uh, Sanhagen and Dillashaw but I think he is there now and the problem of course is Jan is probably going to get the next shot at Sterling and then you got Sanhagen and Dillashaw who will probably get the shot after that and then you got Font so maybe depending on how the timing all works out Font gets the winner of Dillashaw and Sanhagen because his boss said he did not want to move back, and he knew he was probably going to have to wait. So the only thing, only people above him are going to be Dillashaw, Sanhagen, Jan, and Sterling. So he's got uh, some 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 thinking to do. Um, I would like to see him stay busy, but especially because we re- that's kind of a crowded situation right there. So I don't know what's going to happen. So he's probably going to have to stay busy. I don't know who you give him, though. Do you give him the person that's going to be ranked below him again? Just one spot? I don't know. Um, he's in a bit weird spot, and so is the uh, winner of Sanhagen and Dillashaw. That is, again, assuming that Jan gets the Sterling fight or and nothing goofy happens. With how crowded it is at the top of the division right now, if Sterling's not uh, on, the, on the way back, maybe there's a potential... Um, interim title wouldn't like it could understand it from the ufc's point of view though um the only other thing i really want to talk about is that begging for bonuses and that the ufc europe verified twitter account tweeted that image out as if it was something good and not that it was the fact that the ufc pays so terrible a guy has to have a piece of paper with him begging for a bonus it's bad. It's a bad look for the UFC. It's a terrible look for the fighters. And the UFC is going to tell us again and again, biggest biggest MMA organization in the world. And yet there's people begging, literally begging for cash. You don't see you don't see that in any other professional sport. You just don't. And again, that is not a bug. That is by design. That's what the UFC wanted. That's what the UFC wants, and that's what the UFC stockholders want. Not gonna change unless change is forced, and that's up to the fighters uh, so fighters I mean do what you gotta do, but it's a bad look for you and it but it's a worse look a hundred percent worse look for the UFC so I understand it, I don't like it. I think the UFC is totally at fault, but not gonna change. hope it changes, not gonna change and with that, I'm gonna call it a uh a show, be back tomorrow, got some stuff uh, already in the queue, and we'll go from there. So until then, everyone stay safe.